The following program is paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4. Every weekday, News Radio 1240 KQEN brings you local information at 4 o'clock. Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Littlejohn and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Music, music, music. Time to go. There you it ready goes. To All right, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. It's the True Wealth Radio Show. Yeah, Just it's, kidding. <laughs> it's Tuesday. It's the best Tuesday you've had all week. And it is the best 4 p.m. afternoon show you will hear all day. I don't know if it's the best Tuesday I've ever had, though. It's the best Tuesday this week. I know. Yeah, no. Actually, uh, let us just call a spade a spade. Tuesday, if you are in market investor, sucks. Right. uh, Monday, sucked even more. We are officially into uh, question territory. Let's just call it that. Or maybe questionable territory (laughs) or question. Just question territory, you know, because I think people have got questions. When I'm getting calls from other advisors. Yeah. Okay. And and so crap. uh, A lot of folks, if you're just joining us, welcome to the True Wealth Show. I'm your host, David Littlejohn, with me as almost always. Right. Katie Shuck. And we've got uh, a fun. Well, it'll be a, it'll, it'll be a patch, it'll interesting. Be you should pay attention, kind of show. Good kind of learning opportunity show right. today because a bunch is going on, and so there, it's unavoidable uh, from my perspective. The market action is it just calls for some attention, right? Right. So if that's the case, we're going to appropriately address some things today. All right, uh, let's do this. Let's I will, roll up our sleeves. Yep. And get this done. Today we're getting to work because you know what? Investing's a long term deal. And if your immediate response is it's long term, it doesn't matter. What I'm going to tell you is good. That's going to help you sleep at night. I don't believe that it doesn't matter, but I do believe that this too shall pass. Right. All right. So I got to throw out a couple of things as disclosure today. Uh-oh. This is one of these that we you get a little bit of it, but not that often. Um, when we start to talk about things, you'll often hear me say like, "Well, you know, it's this not personal not advice or whatever." Advice. Yeah. This is because uh, at Little John Financial Services, we are a professional investment advisory firm, and David is a professional investment advisor, right. licensed. <laughs> so what that means, though, is when I am talking to people one on one, we're giving them advice, and oftentimes we're receiving compensation for said advice. Right. Okay, but it is customized and personalized for their circumstance. Because we're on the radio, obviously it cannot give customized, personalized advice to everybody here. Unless but, if you were the caller asking a specific question, then the advice is specifically for you. But since we've moved to the ra- new radio station, well, you know, we haven't had that. Hey, if, if you really want to call, we'll figure out a way to get you on today. Right. Uh, Katie remembers the number off the top of her head because she's like that. 541-673-4464. There you go. So if you want to <laughs> call the show... Go ahead if you've got questions, especially around the market or that some, a number, right? some pressing one. I think that it's... Uh, six, yeah. seven, three, four, four, six, four. If not, I just gave four, out four, some... Four, four, six, one. But I no, mean, no. 
Eh, you know what? Somebody will come running in at some point being like, you can't say that. So we'll go with 673-4464. Or I just gave you all somebody's cell phone number and they're going to hate me later. I know. All of a sudden, <laughs> or they're going to make a bunch of friends today. 8675309. Sorry. I know our callers are all brilliant and lovely because that's the only listeners we have is the good ones. Right. So... Anyway, the disclosure is this. We're going to talk about some things, and there's going to be a lot of opinion today. And the opinion that I'm sharing is not intended to be actionable data, okay? Okay. If, if you choose to take action on it, you do so at your own direction and at your own risk. But you know what the nice part about paying for the show is? We can give our opinion. Right. so Because so, we paid for it. So we'll give an opinion, <laughs> and also these things are subject to change as new information becomes known or as things and events change. But for what we know right now, that's what we're going to base today on. And with that, let us roll up our sleeves and talk about what is uh, on everybody's mind. And it's amazing. I keep hearing people, they still use the Dow as their point of reference. Because really? yesterday the Dow was down... Uh, close to a thousand points today. It was down 879 points. I still like to use the S&P 500, but I don't even like to use the point system. I like to use percentages. Because the Dow is more restrictive than. Well, the Dow's 30 stocks. Right. right? Out of how many thousands, thousands of stocks out right. there? And, and so, and the S&P is 500 stocks. It's neither but of it's these. But it's the largest American right. ones, right? Okay. But let's be clear. Neither of these is without. Their flaws. Okay, there's a reason that the S and P 500 is such a difficult index for professional money managers to beat. It's because there's a formula to it, and the formula biases to the winners. And if you have a whole bunch of copycats out there, when something gets added to the S and P 500, everybody has to go buy it, which creates a bunch of demand for it. Right, not, and that demand not intentionally, but drives, it does. Yeah, the demand drives, drives the, the price, price up. Right. and then as companies get bigger and they get into more institutional portfolios, I mean, let's be honest, right? The S and P five hundred shows up in half of the federal government and half of the state retirement plans. True, which means the largest buyers in the world are all getting into this marketplace. That's a whole lot of buyers. Right. Well, and the other thing is that all, not all the stocks are created equal. Like you say, okay, it's the 500 largest stocks. It doesn't mean that every company well, is worth one 500th. That, well, yeah, they don't all get the same real estate. Or waiting. Say, you talk you know? about waiting, right? If, like some of them can if, sway the market a little if bit. If the S&P was, uh, was an apartment building, some people get a janitor's closet and other people get a few floors. Right. That's actually great. That's a great metaphor. Perfect. Yeah. Right. Like some people get the much, penthouse and yeah. they get the whole top floor and other people get 800 right. square feet. So, so if you're a Microsoft or a Google or an Apple, you get the penthouse. super giant mega company, you get several floors of real estate on the apartment building. If you are the 500th stock, which I don't even know what that is, you're pretty small. <laughs> There's talk about it being, um, I, I want to say there was talking about Tesla getting added to it. What? Yeah. Well, they should, based on their record year they've been having. Although, again, what the heck is going on with that? Because okay, so nobody knows. I said this. Uh, this is not a commentary on Tesla the vehicle or the company or anything else. It is Tesla the stock. It is radioactive to me. I can't figure out how to properly value it. There are people that will make assumptive cases, and based on their assumptions, they can project that the value goes to a million, billion, trillion. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a there's actually somebody with a price target of seven thousand on what? Tesla. Yeah, it's out there, and they have a 
a very rational reason for why they passionately believe this. It's just so many things have to go that way. It's like, well, let's play an entire game of chess before you've made the second move. So let's talk just for a second. Let's explain what speculation is, because there's a lot of listeners out there that say, OK, like I'm an investor. But what is speculating? Because that's different a little bit. Well, I guess speculation's probably a poor term in some respects, but here's the way I'm using it. Maybe that's okay. a better way to put it. Okay. Speculation is intentionally seeking risk based on a series of assumptions. And the speculative component is the is more of a high risk scenario. And I'm using Tesla as the example that in, in the the analyst that I'm speaking of that has this seven thousand dollar price target. They said, well, if the following events occur, and they're saying, we expect uh, broad adoption of, uh, so ubiquitous adoption of both electric vehicles, but also uh, bringing on improved battery technology, bringing on uh, faster charging infrastructure, bringing on certain areas where there's potentially mandates that you must have self-driving vehicles for traffic management. And yeah, like, you look at all of these and you go, well, if all of the following things take place, then Tesla's multiple should be way higher and, and because they're going to make so much money when that stuff happens. Right. And I go, there's a lot of things that still have to play out that way. Because you don't have Tesla driving it anymore. You have governments and other things that are trying yeah. to regulate that. And there, not saying they couldn't happen. There are still some elements that have not been well addressed to me on things like the cleanliness and the sustainability of the supply chain for the batteries themselves. Right. Battery technology needs to change because we can talk about a lot of electric vehicles and a lot of things in the green space right now that may at the point of impact appear to be green. Like like windmills oftentimes you go, well look, they generate energy from wind. That's great. Look at the energy and the pollution that was create was used to create the, the windmill. windmill. Yeah, so like the you're kind of causing more bad before you right. can cause good. <laughs> and the total supply chain of that process has many stops. And along that supply chain, there's a lot of activities that are far from green. So I don't know why we award virtue to only the end of the supply chain and not right. look at like the, the whole process. thing. Yeah, but that it's the end uh, result, but not the process. And, and really, it's because. Uh, the players involved, it's fickle, right? I mean, the the Tesla story is a cool story. And if you drive a Tesla, and I've driven a Tesla. They're pretty they're, cool. They're pretty slick. They're nice. So, um, Although I will tell you, I've been in a Tesla with someone who said, I have no freaking clue how to work half the stuff in here. So again, like all the whistles and bells, and they're like, that, yeah. But see, even. that would not be me. No, you would spend I'd be the one that's three like, days look studying at, the manual. Look at all the things it can do. You know? <laughs> I can check on my kids while they're eating. <laughs> exactly. It's like, there's an ejector seat in the back. So it'd be really fun. <laughs> Get out of my car. It's time for school. <laughs> Precisely. But no, so the reason I was saying, like, tell the listeners what speculation is, is because, you know, I guess what David's trying to say, too, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that, you know, Tesla is such a new company that there's not a long track record. Like, we can't look back and say, like, well, it's this company or that company or it's come from here or uh, you know, it's I mean, at this point, like there's there's not a clear explanation for what's happening. And so and to me, when I hear the word speculation, I think, well, I'm more willing to risk it knowing that I'm taking on the risk, but I could lose whatever I'm risking. So, like because it, it's really volatile, like I could win a lot or I could lose a lot, but I'm willing to kind of risk it. 
And I know we use that word risk a lot too. Um, versus something where it's like, no, I'd rather have a safer bet that I know I can make money with or, you know, moving in the right direction. Sure. So I, I, I want to try to pull up why I will call something speculative. Um, for example, if we look at the the earnings, the, so the price to earnings ratio of Tesla right now. Okay. And you go to Yahoo Finance to do this, right? So you can go look this up. So anybody can look this up. Yeah. David doesn't have special software okay. that he's looking at. So you can go look this up. And, right now. And it says NA, right? Not applicable. Right. Why? Because there are no earnings? Because there's no actual earnings, right? So we can't give it a price to earnings ratio because it has no earnings. If we go look at General Motors, the P.E. ratio is 6.95. What does that tell us? Well, it tells me that it makes $6.95 per share. Or some, or it's, it's a price is $6.95 per share. Um, so P.E. is price to earnings. So what's the price of the stock divided by the earnings, and then you get the ratio. So we look at the price of the stock divided by the earnings per share, and then we get the ratio. Got it. Okay, so <clears throat> the higher the number... It tends to mean that the that's the multiple when we talk about a stock is how are we defining it? We would say, well, let's take the earnings of the stock, multiply it by 6.95, and that's the share price. And then we can also look at market cap. Okay, so the market cap of GM, take a guess at what it is. I will help you. It's just I, was like, over, I have no idea. It's just over 45 <laughs> billion. Woo! What do you think the market cap of Tesla With? is? Oh. Is it higher than that though? 147.49 billion. So it's what? more than three times the size of General Motors and doesn't turn a profit. That's concerning. So, so I feel that's, like the valuation's really that, out of whack. Well, that's why it's such a speculative venture. because it doesn't actually make money yet. It's anticipated to make money. And that's what everybody's saying is, well, so Tesla earns money, but it earns less than it spends. So it is spending more than it's bringing in. And the question is, is that long-term sustainable? And what people are saying is, well, their earnings are increasing at such a rate that we're willing to take that chance because at some point we think the earnings will exceed I feel like this is a cost. bad Dave Ramsey moment, right? Dave no, Ramsey's going, you're going to run out of money at some point. Look, the reality is that Tesla's are trending in a very positive way. In fact, last quarter, fourth quarter of 2009, they had a positive quarter. So they actually made more than they spent in that quarter. What? Crazy. So that's <laughs> so what trying. people are looking at. It's just saying the trend, though, and if they meet these numbers and they become the, the next thing, right? Like, like, what if GM goes away? It could happen. It could. I mean, like Studebaker. It could. Like, you know, which was an awesome. All right, maybe Studebaker was never awesome. But... You know, it was certainly novel and it was a time, but it's gone. But right? there's, there have been gone. car manufacturers that have come and gone. Horse and buggy. Nope. Not going to find that anymore. Okay. <laughs> That's not true. Nope. There are some in the Amish country. <laughs> Free on. Okay. Well, yeah, those are handmade. Come on. There's, so You get the idea. All right, look, so we're running long. Here's the thing. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to unpack something really critical. And that is the markets look all kooky, right? And I can't even... Yeah, good. They're, now the headlines are working. Right? Markets look kooky. They do. And we all know the big part of the reason it is coronavirus. Do we care? Sure. But why and what do we really need to look for? That when we come back. This is David Littlejohn. I'm Katie Shook. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN.
The Umpqua Valley Home Builders Home and Garden Show is this weekend. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey, welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And uh, we have been talking market shop today. If you're just joining us, that first segment is full of uh, all kinds of. It's a vocabulary I, test. It's, yeah, it is. It's kind of, we're going to ground you in some stuff about numbers in the markets because you- I you, you, start, thought you started to say, I'm going to ground you. Like, you're grounded. Yeah, like, you're I was grounded. Like, unless, unless you check out the podcast, right? Aw, so, there you go. Uh, podcast will be available online tomorrow at littlejohnfs.com. Also through iTunes if you look up uh, True Wealth Radio Show. And uh, you might want to look up uh, David and Katie. Uh, or Little John, that's always a good one too if you want to go find that. Uh, but you can, you can check out all the fun here, and if you just got to catch all those past shows because you you, know, you got that road trip coming up or some air <laughs> travel, and uh, or you're just, just seeking I would knowledge. Say, you know, maybe you could use it to wake you up in the morning because we could not possibly put you to sleep. Oh, so I mean, clearly so you're like, oh, we got to get this thing rocking. Okay, look, <clears throat> we try to be entertaining, try to also share some information with you. It's a little bit of both. What? The, where did the name coronavirus come from? I don't know. Who names these things? Uh, I don't know. Every time I hear coronavirus, I think, should I be drinking a beer with some amoxicillin or what's going on? Because, yeah. Uh, again, just... I'm gonna go with, uh, I don't know. Okay. So, uh, here, but I, but I will tell you what I do know. What Why do you, know? you know? So the markets have coughed up over six percent. The, the the major U.S. equity markets have coughed up over six percent in the last two days. That is material. Okay, Pain, like let's, let's just let's just be honest. It's painful. Yeah. Like we had a great beginning of the year. We're like, yeah. Everybody was excited. Super we had a strong excited. fourth quarter, big performance numbers last year. So everybody's thinking this is great. And we are officially negative year to date now. For huh. 2020, we're negative. We're actually underwater as of yesterday. So now we're even more underwater. So now we're holding our breath. Well, we Open were already holding our breath. Now we're getting dragged under. Uh. Right. So it's good, you know, the 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 pressure's increasing. There are, it's hard to illustrate this on the radio because there are some things that are really visual when doing investment analysis, especially if you like to use charts. Which you do. I love to use charts because charts can be done in logarithmic scale, which, uh, you know, for the uninitiated, don't worry, I'm not going to give you a math quiz. It's just, what it means is that uh, as percentages scale, Right, they show one times one times one times you know. So, but two times two times two is two times two is four times two is eight. Right, it's twice as big. Right, and it's twice as big. So, when you get fifty percent bigger than the previous number, you're actually getting a logarithmic scale. But you can uh, you can correct for that in a logarithmic chart, so it looks more linear, and then you can start to see patterns that emerge more clearly when you do logarithmic adjustment. The reason that this is useful is because it gives you a sense of where the markets are behaving when prices increase or decrease compared to what they did in previous times. And here's- I think I'm almost with you on this one, okay. Well, let's think of it this way. Let's pretend, but we don't have to pretend at all. Let's use houses as an example. Okay. The real estate market is 
just an average market right now, when you buy a, a sort of typical home in this area, maybe you spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars to buy a standard, maybe three, two, three, three bed, two yeah, and three a half bed, kind bed. of yep, place, okay. and in a you know nice neighborhood, rah rah rah, little cute fence, you love it, and. You are in the house for five years and, you know, it kind of creeps up a couple thousand dollars here and there. And it's been five years and the house is now worth, let's call it $300,000. Nice. Okay. okay. So I made 50 grand. Right. You made 50 grand if you had to sell it. You now, if you're using realtors, you know, you're going to carve some out and whatever. But that's not the point of this example. What's the point? The point is, let's say that over the next two years, that house shoots up in value to 500000 Ooh. Okay. Now you feel like, wow, I've doubled the value of this thing. Okay. okay. And now the price gets the the market collapses. Okay. Okay. And it falls and falls and falls back to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. There, it really depends on when you bought it as to how you feel. Okay. If you bought the house when it skyrocketed to five hundred thousand dollars and it fell to two fifty, oh, you you're feel crying. miserable. Right. Uh, if you are trying to buy a house that was up to 500000 and then fell back to 250000 you may find yourself attracted to that price point. Because you said, you know, at one point, this was a $500,000 house. It's on a heck of a sale now. True. If you've lived in it the entire time, you say, well, I could have made a bunch of money and didn't. And now I'm sitting on this house I paid $250,000 for. But I still have it for the same price that I paid for it. So, In essence. And so the question then yeah. is, how do we value the house? Yeah. Uh-huh. So. And so, yes, emotions are associated with it, but it's also, it's a supply and demand function. But what happens is, if if I tell you right now, you know, Tesla is an $800 stock today. It was $900 last week, but it was $168 at the beginning of January. I still think I should buy some. Well, at $800, do you buy it? Or if it falls to $400, do you feel like, oh my gosh, I better buy a bunch of Tesla? See, the I, the hardest part for me is on the way down. Because then I'm like, is it going to go down further? Or has it hit the bottom? Yeah. And nobody knows. And then you're like, but the minute it starts rounding up, you're like, ooh, I should have. But then if you, it's on the way down, you're thought, oh, I bought it. Like, So say, I, let's, let's use your Tesla example, right? So I'm going, okay, it was 900 and now it's eight. And... I know it's on sale. I've saved a hundred bucks. So I totally think, well, maybe I should buy some. But if it's still going down, do I want to wait a little longer to see if it drops a little more so I get a little more on sale? But what happens if it corrects tomorrow and goes back up to 850? Then I thought, man, I should have bought it at 800. So I feel like I'm super conflicted on whether or not to buy right now. Because I feel like stuff's on sale, but is it going to go further on sale? And that's the question we don't know the answer to. <laughs> well, this is my point of why charts can be useful. Because and why emotions are hard to well, deal with. And, and because everybody is doing a different version of analysis and a different perspective to determine what is the value. So uh, if Tesla falls back to $168, even I will say it's probably worth the speculation at that price point because it was $900 and now it's $168. Unless it fell to $168 because everything's coming unraveled, at which point I go, I don't want to touch it. It's going to go out of business. Right, yeah, you're going to so, go bankrupt and then it's going to be worth 68 cents. So the trick is, it, it turns out when it comes to investment analysis, I, I like to use this as my litmus test. Okay. okay. If I knew nothing about the stock or the company and I walked in today, right now at this very moment, would I buy it at today's price? Mm. Okay. Now, if I already own it, I still have to think about it that way. Do I still like what I see going on today? In the company. Okay. 
Okay. Now, are you, now how much evaluation are you doing of the company? Uh, plenty. Okay. Uh, you know, and that's the trick. And so now that's a that's a really interesting question because you've asked how much of me personally or our organization. And I will tell you, for all of you listening, like we meet weekly. Our investment committee meets. We discuss the disposition of the economy. We look at all the investment strategies we run, and we do. Uh, and an by assessment. the way, David actually means committee, right? He's not a multiple personality kind of guy. Like, <laughs> no, I have other people on <laughs> he the does team. Actually so have other people. <laughs> we've got we, we have a group. We get together every week and we review things and we look at the areas that we see as problems. We look at the developing trends. We look at the political and economic landscape in the backdrop and we try to make uh, reasonable judgment calls for our investors. Does that make us, you know, that doesn't make them perfect, brilliant, and we get all human. right? Nope. But part of the reason that we're that active is because it's not about hitting home runs. In fact, if you look at professional baseball, there's not a professional baseball player that's played substantial number of games that's batting over 500. Most of them, if they bat over 300, it's pretty Isn't this like Moneyball where it's like, you know, if you get on base more often, then there's more. That's the thing. Is This is about the percentage it's of wins. about win- getting on base, wins. not it's, about home runs. It's the number of wins versus losses. It's, it's the size of the win versus the size of the loss. So if we can have more wins than losses and we can have small losses when we do have them, and then you play that out multiple times over and over again, that's no different than the logic behind any casino. Right. Casinos lose too. They just win more frequently. Right. And the size of their... Their, those casinos wins outweigh the size of the gamblers wins right and those are just playing the statistics what we do is we seek to shift the odds into our favor through good research and analysis and trend recognition and you know tax behavior and so forth so uh, and tax behavior i use because buying or selling at different times creates different tax outcomes so we consider that in our decision right but nevertheless uh i want to get back to the, the crux of this market so I was I'm telling you about all these different ways that we analyze things because when you look at what's going on in the stock market right now in a six and a half percent correction, the the thing is what triggered it. And by and large it's pretty universally accepted that it is this coronavirus scare. Yeah. Right? And let us be clear, it's scary. Right? It really is because when you start to use the word pandemic. That's a big word. It's scary, right? But is it scary? That's that's kind of my question. Like, Katie, are, is it scary? I, I That's a great question. I think you're going to answer that soon, though, aren't you? Well, so I'm not trying to sneak into a break. I'm actually, ah, I mean, the, the question I is, okay. is the pandemic, I know, it's like I kind of forecast our, but you know, what is a, a pandemic by definition? If we go look at Wikipedia, right? It's an, academic of di- uh, an epidemic of disease that is spread across a large region uh, or multiple continents or even worldwide. I just, I feel like with modern medicine, the way it is these days that like, you know, we can usually get out ahead of most things. Um, I, I kind of wonder if it's like the bird flu or like the, the Zika virus or the West Nile virus and all the other stuff that we've had in the past. That well, have been like scares in the news. I feel like every year there needs to be a new like zombie apocalypse. I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna set us up. I'm gonna let our engineers know that we're gonna cut to break on this incredible teaser. And what it is is there's this link between the coronavirus and the media. We're gonna draw this link when we come back, and I'm gonna tell you why as an investor. I think you care about this, but we got to grab one more break. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is David Littlejohn. Katie Shuck. You're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN.
This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. This is your host, David Littlejohn, and your host, S. With the most S, Katie Shook. All right, gang. We are covering ground today, and we're finally getting into the meat of this one. Uh, if you want to catch up, you know, we got the podcast at littlejohnfs.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. It's on Blueberry if you know where to look. And so uh, the True Well Show will be podcast there. Uh, Talking coronavirus today. We are. Because it's so, on everybody's mind, and it's on the media like crazy. It's, it's everywhere. The stock market has been... Reactionary uh, a little bit. It's been hit pretty directly and you know we've seen a you know a six to almost seven percent pullback in the last two days it's effectively erased all of 2020's equity gains we are seeing a spike in the price of the 10-year treasury and yields are dropping so interest rates are approaching uh, historic all-time never been lower yields for the 10-year treasury uh, the one bonus for that for 10-year and 30-year money is that the government is financing its debt at a low price well, there you go. Right. So that is the <laughs> silver lining and everything. That is the bonus. However, uh, I want us to talk about coronavirus and let's let's have a moment of uh, just calm and let's try to approach this not with our emotions, but being rational. I told you at the break, I wanted to draw a connection between the coronavirus and the media. Okay. okay, so what's the connection? Well, other than the media likes to okay. talk about the coronavirus. Yeah. So here's the thing. And the media also gets beat up, right? Let's be honest. You're listening to media right now. Heck, we are the media by this definition. But um, for sensational media, they sensational. will peddle fear. Right. Okay? If it bleeds, and it bleeds. So, so coronavirus is a popular topic because there's a lot of unknown and mystery and because people want to know more so they will pay attention so it's very prevalent in the news cycle it's also very sellable in the news cycle okay how long is a news cycle well a news week, a a new, it really depends okay news cycles depend on the type of information some things last longer than others right uh it turns out uh this is a it, it just depends. I'm going to use one that's fairly familiar, uh, okay. albeit painful. But in this area as a locale, uh, if you say 10-1, people know what that talks about in our area. Right. If you're listening out of our area, you may have no point of reference. But on October 1st of 2015, there was a shooting that took place at Umpqua Community College. It was a tremendous tragedy. And I, if I memory serves, nine people were killed in that shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh and it still echoes in this community. Very much Because so. still we all, alive. it's, you know, folks were touched very directly by that. That made national news. And for about a week, that was a regular headline on national news. What was going on? What was the response? And then the following week, it faded very rapidly. And within two weeks, it was essentially out of the national headline. It remains to this day a part of... Our, our culture and our history yeah. here. But the news media cycle for folks that were at arm's length and out of area, that cycle was about a week. Right. Right. And some of it has to do with its political usefulness. Okay. Think Explain about it this further. way. If political leadership can use the news cycle to some kind of advantage, they typically will. 
True. Okay, so whatever like, side... I remember this there is, being a big deal when Obama was going to yeah, visit the which, area Whichever the side you take, if you are right. pro one thing or another, it can be used for political opportunity. Uh, so, so once we, nobody we get else a lot has a of news for it, then it kind of fades away. Yeah, but here's what we need to talk about for the for right now and just for everybody to get a handle on I'm not going to peddle fear to you right is it it's it's rough when the markets have a 7% pullback in 2 days it's not unheard of and the way things are setting up this looks really similar to the kind of corrective phase we went through in the fourth quarter of 2018 which obviously we recovered from and went on toward new highs again uh, there is not a fundamental shift in all things economic globally yet. Right. The concern about coronavirus is that the response to contain it will disrupt supply chains for the economies. Right. Okay. So if you have a supply chain disruption, it changes corporate profitability. If True. Apple makes fewer iPhones, it can sell fewer iPhones. This means that their earnings estimates must be reduced and now investors have to take that into account for how they value apple right okay so there's a logical flow of how that fits together that's the logical flow the illogical flow is somebody says i heard there's a pandemic and uh we're all going to die and apple's going to go out of business and you know people will get and they cash out their 401k and hide under a rock <laughs> right and they get to this level of like okay we are way past rational here because now i want to ground you in some let's just call it a polite reality check. By comparison, there are a lot of similarities between coronavirus and another known illness out there. Now, I'm going to talk about something else for a minute. And this has been some years back, but there was a scare uh, around the Ebola virus. Okay. okay. Now, that one to me is genuinely scary because if you contract Ebola, your survivability rates were low. Is no. that, that's not the flesh eating one, is it? Yeah, it's it. It basically will eat your yeah. It, like it liquefies you. Yeah, it's a really terrible one. Not liquidate. Correct. Uh, <laughs> inside joke. And you. Sorry, I that's mean, bad. but, we but be you know, better that. than ninety percent fatality rates if memory serves. And you know, I'm not going to try to fact check this one. Like I said, uh, you know, that's not the but point. High mortality no rate. Bueno. And the reality is, if we had a pandemic of Ebola, I mean, you're talking about population decimation. Right. That is massive. Now, I am not diminishing the seriousness of coronavirus when I say it is wise that we contain this because there is the people have died of coronavirus. Right. But here is the reality that we need to get grounded in. The coronavirus is not all that dissimilar in terms of its fatality rates as we understand them so far from influenza. The Otherwise flu. known as the flu. The flu, right? Uh, as, as I was just doing some research uh, before the show, uh, my understanding is I think 2019, uh, there were over 61,000 deaths. From the flu. From the flu. I've heard varying numbers, but uh, oftentimes those deaths are complicated because they, they're co-occurring with other incidents and so forth, but they're contributing factors. Right. What we know about the flu is that it preys on three groups primarily. The very, very young, the very, very old, and the immunocompromised. The same, yeah. Okay. Immune system and the issue. coronavirus thus far has been really similar. Uh, if you if you, the average listener on this show, contracted the coronavirus, uh, your probability of survival is quite, quite high. 
And so it, it, it's amazing it, how our bodies are built. Yeah. And so that's the part that we need to be aware of is that the word like pandemic sounds terrifying. Yeah. Okay, I keep going a, to every zombie apocalypse movie I've exactly. ever seen. Exactly. It's a really scary term. And when you start to scare people, what you do, and there, this is a very, there's a real response is that where's a chemical response that's different in our brain when we are stressed? Oh, yeah, you okay. release tons of cortisol in your system. So, so cortisol is the stress hormone that's really tough on you. But the actual decision-making process under stress shifts from using a logic process to using a fight-or-flight process. Oh. And if you get into the fight-or-flight process, what you're doing, and you've probably heard me on this program yeah, before. Yeah, you Katie's override this. your logic. So you sacrifice accuracy for, for speed. For speed. <laughs> and what do you think that's going to do to your decisions as an investor? you're going to start inaccurately making decisions because you're trying to get them done. Well, you're going to certainly leap to conclusions. Right. And that's what I think we're seeing going on right now is the news cycle because the news cycle is not investment advice. Okay. They are keep, they're informing you while at the same time they have a, a an advertising agenda, right? You know, you are eyeballs for them that they will rent to other people. So they need to have, enough of the content be something you want to watch. So some of that is you get on editorial components to your news cycle. So if you're watching a uh, market analysis show, they say, well, here's what's going on, but let's bring in this expert here and let's talk about, well, what if something like this happened? And they ask them to speculate. Well, it could get really bad. It could be this, that, and the other thing. Well, what would that mean for markets? I don't know. Well, let's bring in this other person that's an expert take, in markets. Like, the 13 second sound bite, and then they play that over and over again, and yeah. all of a sudden you're scared well, and you haven't heard the whole you, thing in context. Yeah. You can build a narrative around what you want to support, is what it comes down to. And we tell our clients all the time, we are not compensated to be optimists nor pessimists, but rather to be realists. Right. So we're trying to ground what's going on here in data. Right. Uh, and realistically, I'm looking out the window and life seems to be moving on as usual in the city of Roseburg. I, I think it will. I, I, I suspect that while there's enough fear in this market and there's been enough really tough, uh, aggressive pullback in this market, that we may see a little bit more follow through from here. But honestly, and this was where I have to say, I'm not offering investment advice. I'm offering an observation and opinion here. It sure looks like everything that was expensive two days ago is on sale today. I like that observation and I like sales. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when you see major institutions that are off by 15% in two days, and I've seen some of the major financial institutions. And I think you're not going out of business. No, they. Sell. Why did? Why in two days are they 15% less valuable than they were two days ago? And the reason is because of this supply and demand imbalance. And this brings me to a very interesting point about risk management. So interesting that we have to take our last break. And share right? it in just a minute. Yeah, but you want to you want to know something real? I will give you a hint. Correlation, people. You ah, want to know about correlation? Not causation. Correlation and what it means for you as an investor when we come back. This is David Littlejohn. I'm Katie Shuck. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN.
This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right. Hey, gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Dave Littlejohn here in studio with Katie Shuck. And you've got the home stretch of the True Wealth Show where we are looking at uh, crazy data, things like. The VIX uh, last Wednesday was trading at just a shade under 14 or under $15. Uh, I'm sorry, at the end of last Wednesday, open Thursday, same price. Today closed at $27.85. So this is the volatility index, not yeah. the VIX vapor rub, just to be VIX, clear. The volatility index is basically a measure of options pricing. And in the last four days, it has doubled. Well, because people are expressing their right on yeah. an option. They're like, yeah. well, so I'm just telling you that volatility has spiked like crazy, crazy. and there is something that is very important for investors to know and understand uh, when volatility spikes. This is something that, again, I would encourage you to go speak to your financial advisor about because we are taught and beat into our head, in fact, what is the thing that you need to do as an investor to help be safer? Diversify. That's exactly it. Don't put your eggs in one basket. You got to diversify. But we have talked about this on the show. We've got a YouTube channel where we talk about it, and I feel like my face is going to turn David's blue again. David's kind of talked off today, yeah, a little bit. It's, so, correlation. Well, that's the thing. Correlation increases in periods of volatility increase. This is a, a more recent trend over the past 15 or 20 years. But if you measure statistically and you look, so correlation is how stocks relate to each other. The more a stock movement, the more the, more the price movement in one stock can be explained by another stock. So they, you know, one of them goes up, they the other one goes up other. at the same time. And they, they, they walk and talk like, talk like each other. And I always say, it's kind of like Home Depot and Lowe's. Heck, right. they're across the street from each other and they do the same thing. Right. So there's a high degree of correlation between those two businesses. When the stocks walk and talk the same, they are highly correlated. And normally, stocks in a functioning marketplace have some independence to each other. Right. They're like all Shell stocks. Oil shouldn't walk and talk like Home Depot. Right. I mean, there are some connections. You know, if the stock market is up, they're all up, but they're not up the same percentages for the same reasons. They have different influences. Okay. However, what we have seen you over are like the last You over there. Yes, okay. I so, am. however. However, when markets go down aggressively, so very aggressive declines, what we have observed is a an increase in correlation across all asset classes, or at least all equity assets. Okay. So essentially, if it trades in the stock market and the stock market's going down, it's like everything catches a cold at the same time. Ew. Some get a worse cold than others, right? right? So some get hurt pretty, pretty rough and some don't. But finding low correlations in those environments is tough. So sometimes we try to fabricate them. Oh, that's bad. Because okay, it's not causation. It's not ca like no, they're not causing each They don't each cause. Other. It's they. They all become linked because it's like the lemmings all jump off the cliff at the same time. Yeah. So fabricating is something we would call a synthetic hedge. It's where you start to use options or uh, inverse products or other things that are designed to force low or non-correlation back into your investment strategy, and this is a complicated issue. It actually involves a fair amount of uh, research into how positions relate to each other. Correlation changes over time period, and it can change in periods of aggressive moves in the markets one way or the other. And it's also highly linked to you know sector and so forth. So 
if you are trying to have more effective diversification, which is, again, a safety measure, you need to look at the quality of diversification. And that one of the ways you do that is through the analysis of correlation. But realize that is a moving target. Now, what did I just tell you? I have no so idea. You're, you're gonna, I'm glazing over it. Yeah, though. you're, you're going to get your investments, and it's like, well, let me get into a car driving over speed bumps while trying to balance on a you know, unicycle. It's like it's, there's just too many moving parts. It gets really, really hard. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, I know that's a really ridiculous. I couldn't help but think of like Scotty from Star Trek. Imagine trying to shoot, uh, shoot a rifle across a room while riding a horse blindfolded. And you're like, uh, okay, that wasn't even a very good Scotty accent. But you're like, okay. I know which sex that you're just talking about there, yeah. And you're like, so it's hard? It's like, yes. <laughs> uh, because again, a lot of these things, they're changing in real time. And you don't know until you get a massive spike down like the last two days. And anybody that says, oh, totally saw this coming. It's like, well, it's really easy to armchair quarterback that. But we will tell you, Chicken Little, the sky is not always falling. No. And I have to tell you that my take on this one is more than likely that uh, the markets, again, my opinion here, but markets were pretty overvalued. We'd seen a really extended trend that started last October and went higher and higher and higher. And even though we had a handful of days with pullbacks, it just kept... People would buy into every dip and push higher, higher, higher. And the valuations were getting pretty lofty. And we were starting to invent rationalizations for why it was okay this time. <laughs> Which is a very okay. scary you, game to play. When you have to invent a reason to rationalize why the markets are at a level they're at. Danger, Will Robinson. Yes. And so what the markets did was they just did us all a favor and said, well, let's just eliminate that overvaluation and get back to some ground Which, level here. you know, when you're used to having the little nice extra cushion in there, it sucks. But yeah. it doesn't mean that it's going to collapse. Pullbacks are no fun, but this should not... Uh, unravel anybody's strategy right now. At the at worst, what it should do is make you think, you know, maybe I was too greedy. I really can't handle this kind of volatility and I should try a different strategy that's more appropriate. But for the rest of us out there, my suspicion is, and again, seek your own counsel as you need to. This isn't advice, but odds are uh, this is just a painful market event that happens and it doesn't, it shouldn't change your strategy. It's just it, it just is what it is. And hopefully in a, a few weeks to a couple of months, this is all in the rearview mirror and we're getting back to our sanity again. Right. Sounds good. Let's do that plan. Yeah. So like we'll that do plan. that. Uh, if you find yourself wrapped around the axle over this, the emotions are getting in the way of making rational decisions, I would encourage you to go find somebody else to work through this. And if you don't have that somebody else, we are going to wave our flag right now and say, we Give can, us a call. Yeah, we can be that somebody. There is zero obligation to getting an opinion. Uh, that's not the way our office works. We recognize that we work with people for long periods of time, and the value of the relationship is over that long period of time. We're not interested in trying to extract a bunch of your wallet in a single meeting up front, which is a cute way of saying you can come see us for free and we will help you. Right. Uh, and if we, we can help anybody, but yeah. not everybody becomes a client. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Maybe we just get you set on the right path. Maybe you end up working with us for a long time. Whatever the case, uh, find somebody that you like and trust that you can work with and by all means, uh, get on the right path. Uh, until next time, how do they reach us, Katie? 541-375-0898. All right. You heard it here. We'll catch you later. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.